Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one and welcome all to the greatest show of them all. It is the NFC East Mixtape Volume. Who cares? Uh, you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your SB Nation, NFC East blog podcast. Across the SB Nation universe, you can also watch us on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel or the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. If you do either of those things, you will see or hear the Faces and voices of myself. I'm RJ Ocho from Blog and the Voice. He is Brandon Lee Gunn from Bleeding Green Nation, and he is coping. BLG, mm. happy Cowboys got the dub week. I prepared a statement for this game. Oh, jeez. Are you ready? You can't interrupt. You have to let me get through it. <clears throat> uh, I I just want to say, like, are we not going to like dilly dally? Like, we're not going to do any kind of. I had like a dilly dally uh, like thing. Well, I can. Yeah, we like, can. We, we can dilly dally. Like, I can get to it later. Um, I was just really, really quickly. I wanted to offer uh, before we get to the football because I can't wait to get to the football. Um, who is the person that picks? Like you know when you have to do the captcha exercise on a website, yeah. and it's like, like you know, check which ones of these have like traffic lights or crosswalks or whatever. Who's the person that picks those photos? You know what I mean? Like who's the person that's like only a human would be able to discern this information in this photo? I want to understand who's the person that picks those photos. The other thing that's really all I had to do with down. those is like, you know how sometimes I feel like it's kind of there's like a gray area because it'll be like select all pictures with this thing. And then sometimes you'll see like there's like a little bit of that thing. It's like, do I click that? Is that right? Count? Right. That, it's like a t- very technical. Yeah. And then it doesn't work. You need to yeah. do it again. It's like, what's going on here? Like, make it make it obvious enough where like there shouldn't be a gray area. Uh, so that's a good. That's, exactly. That's a good note. Um, other thing. Um, OK. Had was that. Oh, okay. you have a daily daily opinion. OK which I'm not a fan of saying. Just say it. Just say your unpopular opinion. Don't preface it. Um, But that being Uh, said, I'm a big fan of a cloudy day, like an overcast day. I don't want the sun. I don't don't need the sun. The sun can get out of here. I don't know how this makes sense, but to other people, but it does make sense to me. The sun makes me anxious. I don't want to be in the sun. No sun, only overcast, cloudy days. Everyone loves the sun, and I don't get it. So there's my take to begin the show. I would offer that um, like a, an overcast day is a calming thing. So yes. like I wouldn't I wouldn't agree that the sun is like anxiety inducing, but it, it's, it isn't calming the way that, that an overcast day is. I'm with you. Actually, Sunday my wife the other day, we went on a walk with the dogs and we were pushing our son in the stroller. Um, I don't need it to be super cold. Like I, I love this time of year and the holidays and I love the cold, but I just want it to be like light jacket, light half zip, as long as it's overcast. Like I just want the vibe. You know what I mean? I don't need the actual 30 degree wet. I'm not a big cold guy, although I always maintain that you can always get warmer. If you have the resources, obviously, in terms of you can always layer up and whatnot so you can handle it better as opposed to the summer where mm. if it's hot, 
there's really only so much you can do at a certain point uh depending where you are yeah. so i will admit that but um yeah not not a big fan of the cold all right enough dilly dallying let's get to your statement okay statement which do you have a physical copy that's all my only question about no i'm reading off like... of my phone here <clears throat> okay um this was written on december 10th sunday morning at 11 09 a.m eastern time here you go my last question is this your article that you wrote where you were pre-coping or is this a different thing i said once i start you can't interrupt me the philadelphia eagles are going to lose to the dallas cowboys tonight it's going to suck losing always does losing to the cowboys even worse Losing to the Cowboys one week after getting blown out by the San Francisco 49ers, incredibly not fun. There's going to be a lot of discourse about how the Eagles are frauds, and it's not going to be totally undeserved. But here's the thing. It's going to be okay. Or at least it might be. The reality is that the Eagles were never going to go 6-0 and in their six-game gauntlet uh, parentheses TM. They're currently three and one. They needed to go at least three and three. They could still very well go four and two, which have been viewed as a big success entering this stretch. So I am far from ready to say the season is over if the Eagles get beat by the Cowboys, especially when becoming the first team to repeat as NFC East champion since 2004 and getting the number one seed is still very much possible. The Eagles losing this game does not have to be an insurmountable indictment. It's quite possible that they simply find themselves in a really bad spot. For the third straight game, they're playing a team that has a rest advantage over them. More specifically, it is the second straight game where their opponent is coming off a mini bye week, and the rest disparity is exacerbated by the Eagles playing an unusually high number of snaps. Over the last three weeks, Philly's defense has basically been on the field for the same number of snaps played in their first four games combined. They're tired. And even if they weren't, a fully fresh secondary just does not match up great with the Cowboys' passing attack right now. Dallas is playing at a very high level. They also just need this game more. With a win, the Eagles essentially, parentheses, though not officially, clinched the division the Cowboys aren't suffering that fate in their own house, in a building where they've won 14 straight and five straight against the Eagles. I'd love to be wrong, and I'd certainly at least like to see this team put, more, um, put much more of a fight up than they did against the Niners. But the truth is, I'm not too worried about this result. I know it's important, but it has more of a quote-unquote house money feel to me. If the Eagles continue to crater after this one, well, then the panic truly begins. Until then, I'm not writing the Eagles off. Um, so you um, filibustered here and spoke about the Eagles out of turn because the Dallas Cowboys lead the NFC East thanks to their 33-13 to 13 humiliation of the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Um, I have something to read. It's much shorter. Um, it's an anonymous message, but one I received. And I received several along these lines, so shout out to the mixologist. Um, this one said, please do not let BLG off easy with his pre-cope. Woe is me. Pre-game pessimism, feeling sorry for the Eagles and making excuses. It's kind of what that sounds like. Now, to be clear, you did lock up the Cowboys, not just on the mixtape, but on the SB Nation NFL show on Friday. Uh, well, actually, that's where you locked them up, to be uh, clear and specific. Um, 
I thought about this a lot because obviously this was a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Um, and obviously the Cowboys don't control their own destiny with regards to the NFC East. The Cowboys, after right. they got embarrassed by the 49ers, really responded in legit fashion. Now, it was a tough game, but they did respond well. And Who did the they LA play? Chargers. The Chargers. I mean, okay. So so then then you have to admit the Cowboys are a top-tier team. They have an MVP quarterback. They have an amazing head coach. Like It can't, it can't be that this team is trash, but that they're better than the Chargers. Like, what, what, so no one of these say, things has to be that, I didn't say that the Cowboys are trash. No, but, I mean... I literally Eagles, just picked them to beat the Eagles. I, I would argue that they didn't respond. They played worse than they did again. They didn't score a single offensive touchdown, and their three superstars on offense all fumbled. I mean, there was a lot of quit happening. I don't, I don't fully Eagles. agree with that. I think they played better against the Cowboys than they did the Niners. And the, the 49ers game, they didn't even turn the ball over, and they still nah, lost We're not terribly. talking about the Eagles, though. We're talking about the Cowboys because uh, it's their you just You just brought up the Eagles. Well, I know, but they played the Eagles. They humiliated the Eagles. They shut down you the You said Eagles they played offense. worse than they did against the 49ers. That's not I true. I would argue that not scoring a single touchdown is playing worse than, you know, scoring, what, one at least? <laughs> I mean, I can't remember two. Um, was it? Tw- oh, I, I think they one. played worse oh. against the 49ers. I don't think that I game mean, was ever truly. I think they like, played smaller against the Niners, but I think they played worse. And I think that it was a lot of quit. And if there is a house money feel, I think that's a really big trap for the Eagles. But again, we'll get to them. Um, this was this really never felt in doubt for Dallas, even after the Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, um, you know, uh, strip sack fumble return. Like the Cowboys came out and just kind of dominated the Eagles, and again, dominated at home and really announce themselves for anyone who believes or thinks that they can't beat a good team or whatever. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what else the Cowboys have to do to prove it to anybody else at this point of the season. The best team they've beaten is coming off three straight games of rest disadvantage. So, I mean, there's that. I mean, that's not insignificant. And I said that before this stretch started. That's not a cope thing. I've been saying that. It's insane scheduling. What other name another team that's had to play three straight games on rest disadvantage? I don't need to name another team, let alone. Yeah, because it doesn't exist, let alone against teams that are like but we were told that this Eagles team was leverage. different, so they should be able to survive. And I want to read a tweet. Um, this wasn't my point, so I don't want to steal it because it was a great point from Vok Lombardi. Vok does a great job uh, creating Cowboys content here on YouTube for our YouTube audience. Everybody go subscribe to Vok's channel. Um, tweet this out. The Eagles have had tough games versus bad teams. The Cowboys don't play the fourth quarter versus bad teams. If Philly is fatigued, it's their fault. And that so, is... like, this, like, again, woe is me. Like, oh, no, no. we had to play no. a million snaps against the Bills. Then beat them. Like, no. then, then don't don't build yourself I... or dig yourself a hole in the first half that you have to, like, waste all of your energy coming out of. Like, that's not something that should be used as some sort of, like, excuse for the Eagles. No, and, I'm again, totally... this is about the Cowboys. They continue to kick ass. I I have said that I have not I'm not saying this is oh what was me it's only a victim of this I do think though it becomes a bit of a vicious cycle where like they're bad they're they're not playing well and then they're getting tired and then they're getting tired it's like again it feeds about into the Cowboys itself. you're, so you're and also, to talk about the Cowboys at this moment you're exacerbating the issue here so I think the Cowboys took advantage of a team that I expected them to that is down I think the Eagles are it's fair to say that they were not as good as their 10 and one record indicated. I think that anyone would have always agreed with that at that point. At the same time, I also think they're better than these past two games. I really do. I don't think they're as bad as they are the past two weeks. I think that's fair to say that the Cowboys beat a team that is down and they did what they should do and kick a team while they're down in a game where they had, they had to win. They had to win that game in their own building. Again, the division's over basically if they don't win that game. They came out. They played strong from the jump. Um, they allowed that fake punt, and it was like, okay, is this a spark for the Eagles? No, it wasn't. 
Um, uh, the, the Eagles were driving early on. They forced the turnover. Um, they it did seem to me like okay, maybe this young Carter touchdown is a comeback. Probably not. Maybe no. Close the door. So they did everything they needed to do. Um, I can't really say much more than that. Other than Brandon Aubrey is unfair. It shouldn't be routine for a kicker just to be making 59 plus yard field goals, but uh, it's a reality. I don't know if you um, if you knew this. He set the NFL record for most consecutive field goals made to start a career at 19, and he's at 30. I mean, like again, like it's just, it was so it felt like oh man, is he even going to be able to get to 19? Like he has been incredible. Um, the one downside to the Cowboys, you know, being on national television all the time is like you hear the same stories like from the broadcast crews that want to tell them. So it's like, whoa, Brandon Aubrey went to Notre Dame. Whoa, Brandon Aubrey was an MLS draft pick. Wow, haven't heard that a million times before. But um, I mean, I'm very happy for him and that he's getting a lot of love. I on all pro, I think Brandon Aubrey should be at this point in time. He hasn't missed a field goal all season long. Um, there's a lot of people talking about rookie of the year. Let's slow down a little bit. Um, I get no, the, the they're point, not gonna give rookie of the year to a kicker. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's just not if, gonna Zach, happen. if Zach Martin couldn't win it, then I don't think that Brandon Aubrey should. But again, that's a different conversation. I don't um, think a kicker Zach, is ever going to win rookie of the year. A kicker won MVP once upon a time. So like, let's just yeah. relax. But speaking yeah, of it's not what, what when was that? What year was that? Uh, Speaking of, though, uh, Dak Prescott, now the front runner for MVP, and said after the game that he felt like he didn't play his best game. Um, I, I don't think he was trash talking, but just was kind of, you know, you know, boosting his team up, saying, I think we could have scored 50 points. I kind of agree with him. Um, I don't think that Dak played his best game, and it felt like the offense stalled a little bit in the second half, and Brandon Aubrey mm -hmm. obviously saved them. Um, but that's what's really exciting, obviously, is that on a on a quote unquote down night for the MVP front runner, they still scored thirty points and never really had the game in doubt. Eagles defense has been struggling in a really bad way ever since the second 49ers drive uh in that game because they allowed a touchdown drive on every other drive except for the Niners like kneeling whatever at the end of the game or whatever. Um or not trying to score. And uh, the Cowboys picked up right where the Eagles left off in that regard in terms of just having no answers and like big time drives too. first drive, 10 plays, 75 yards. Next drive, um, not a touchdown, but 13 plays. Uh, that was after the, the, the fumble, uh, 37 field goal. Uh, then another 12 play, 75 yard touchdown drive. And then that was a really impressive drive, obviously aided by a penalty I've I've literally never seen. Like, that was that was cool to hear the explanation on how that was possible. Um, you know what I mean? Like how how like somebody could be penalized for two things simultaneously. I just I didn't know how that could when when they were like this is rare. I was like oh this is about to be like some ridiculous loophole, but it did make sense. Um, as unfortunate as it was for you, never seen that before. No one has ever never no one has ever been like oh yeah I've seen that penalty before. Never seen that before. It's also very funny that. Keely Ringo still allowed the catch as well. You committed two penalties. You allowed the catch. Also, that was his second ever NFL defensive uh, snap ever. So like, just a really tough initiation. And for the Cowboys to start at their own uh, 25 and have 148 on the clock there and go down. And it's like, you know, in your minds, I'm sure you're thinking, Cowboys fans are thinking, all right, get a field goal here. Nice. Like, cool. Good. No. Score a touchdown um and yeah so basically at that point Eagles are down six to 24 and it just it feels like the game is over the feel of the game is that it's over the Eagles do get the ball to start at the, the second quarter or second half so it's like okay if they're alive at all they have to do something here and that's where AJ Brown fumbles so pretty much just DOA at that point 
Um, you can go back and check. We tweeted from Blog of the Boys at the beginning of that Cowboys possession. Um, some I forget exactly what the written tweet was, but it's something like two minute Dak Prescott coming up. Like that's when Dak is at his at the absolute peak of his powers. Like uh, you obviously again you're, you are thinking like just get points, especially if you're not getting the ball to start the second half. But and I know this sounds you know obviously just like hindsight, but I had really complete and total confidence that Dak was going to go score a touchdown because that's just who he is right now. Even um, when they were down, so here was the thing. Here was like the after the sack, yeah. I was a little concerned because right. it was but, second and sixteen. Right, it gets a big. That's like a big time sack there that potentially kills the drive and then they pick up 10 to set up third and six um and then that's when the penalty happened and that was they moved from that was a big penalty man they moved from the cowboys 40 to the eagles 35 so i was told that that the eagles were completely and totally disciplined which is why they weren't drawing any penalties early in the season so seems like a straw man (laughs) um but um but yeah and the aj brown thing dude man he lit a fire under stefan gilmore um, Gilmore has been really good. I, I would argue now you've heard me say like he's been disappointing and it wasn't really his fault just because the Trayvon Diggs injury changed mm-hmm. um, the pressure that was associated with him. But the Deron Bland emergence really kind of stabilized what the initial kind of plan or expectation or idea philosophy was. Um, that was the best game he's played, I think, in like five years. But certainly as a member of the Dallas Cowboys, like the, the strip sack on AJ Brown was great. Uh, the fact that he held AJ in check a week after switching over to cover DK Metcalf. I mean, you know, Stefan Gilmore just owns Ole Miss, I guess. Um, and the fourth down stop on Devontae Smith was just ferocious. I mean, what an incredible game from Stefan Gilmore. This was a like, if you look at the box score <clears throat> for this game, you see AJ Brown was targeted um, 13 times, had nine receptions for 94 yards. You're like, oh, you know, pretty. Pretty solid game, right? At least not a bad game. That doesn't tell the story. I mean, obviously, the fumble, again, when it happened, too, if you were going to have any kind of rally, that just killed it. Um, he had the play where he kind of just lost the ball, and that's kind of tough because, you know, it, you know, he was looking left, and he has to turn it around to the right towards the sideline. That's a tough play to make, but he's A.J. Brown. Like he, he should be expected to make that play. And uh, he also had the penalty on the Eagles' first drive there where – you know, they're driving, they have good momentum, um, and he gets called for the um, the pick play. And instead of first and 10 right outside the red zone there at the Cowboys 21, they're knocked back. And then that's when next play, Jalen Hurts takes off running and fumbles. So, um, yes, he had a much worse game, and in part because Stefan Gilmore did his part to, you know, not totally keep him, you know, obviously, again, he had 90-something yards, didn't totally shut him down, but certainly prevented him from totally wrecking the game. Um, the Devonte Smith failed fourth down attempt. Um, I mean, it was a great play by Stefan Gilmore, but Devonte had no chance. And that's like, to me, the biggest ta- well, the biggest takeaway for me on the Philly side, the Cowboys, I think takeaways are, are really obvious just to kind of wrap that up. Deck is the MVP of the NFL right now. There's four weeks to go. Um, CD no, Lamb is, uh, <laughs> CD Lamb is, <laughs> CD Lamb's a top what receiver at this point. Like, I know that, like, some circumstances are weird. Like, Justin Jefferson's had a different year, like and eight. Jamar Chase is down, Joe Burrow. Um, but CD's, what, like a top three receiver right now at the at worst? I mean, th- this three? was like, at worst. You, are, so, like, are you counting Justin Jefferson because he's hurt? That's why I, I just said that Justin Jefferson's had a weird year with injuries. And are Jam- you counting and Jamar him, Chase Because he's still missed. a top three receiver. I don't. I mean, I don't know. That's like it's a weird way, like question. I admit that, but like this is this is a supernova. Are you like level power ranking the receivers? Run. I don't know. I'm and 
all I'm saying is this is the the most like power that a Cowboys wide receiver has had. Amari was great and and had that incredible run initially, but the 2012 through 2014 version of Des Bryant was so unstoppable. He had the three touchdown game, obviously in Philly. CD is operating on like that level of whatever um, right now. It's pretty fun to watch. And Jake Ferguson has come along, established himself as a top whatever tight end. The Cowboys offensive line's playing really well. Micah Parsons, despite getting held all the time, ran through Lane Johnson and had a sack. That was super impressive. Stephon Gilmore, as mentioned, super fun all the way around. Which, again, takes me to my main Eagles takeaway is I don't know how you're not – and I'm not saying that you're, you're not necessarily are, but, like, if you're an Eagles fan, I don't know how you're not – like, your biggest panic thing isn't about Jalen Hurts. Um, because what are you doing throwing like 10 yards short of the sticks on that fourth down to Devontae to kind of bring up that point? Like, I mean, I heard um, our buddy Aiden Powers, uh, obviously Aiden and KMS do the Birds versus Boys pod. Um, he had a great analogy that I'm, I'm certain has been made before, not to take away from Aiden, but um, he mentioned how the Eagles' offense is just like a power hitter in, in baseball. Like, they don't draw walks. They don't steal bases. You know what I mean? They, they just – it's it's all Kyle or not, and they stru- – uh, Well, um, KMS brought up John Carlos Stanton um, as as his example. So, I mean, Kyle Schwarber is another example, although to your point, you know, kind of offers a little bit more. But yeah, just somebody who's like, I don't know, like a 220 hitter with just like 25 home runs and like a billion strikeouts. Like that's what Jalen Hurts kind of feels like right now. It's just, let me try the home run to AJ Brown or Devontae Smith. If not, I'll run around and hope for the best. But it it does kind of feel like I heard Robert Mays and, and Nate Tice talk about this on the Athletic NFL show. It feels like teams are, are totally fine letting that happen and, and kind of trusting themselves to rally and tackle. I don't mean to say that there's a blueprint, but it does feel oh, like Jalen Hurts Nick is not Bosa. able to overcome anything else. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going that far, but your thoughts. I think it's a weird thing to parse through right now because you get some people who are like, I thought Hurts played a pretty good game and he I think he played a little bit better than the box score would indicate when you consider some of the high leverage jobs that happened, but you know, he did turn the ball over. And I think again, in a crucial, crucial spot there on that first, like that the timing of that turnover really matters to me. You, if you're the Eagles and you go down and you score a touchdown, right. To match the Cowboys, like you're feeling good about yourselves. Instead you fumble there, you lose it. And you're like, here we go again. It just, if the vibes are terrible at that point when that happens. And again, it's his 15th turnover of the season. It's just way too many. So, um, you know, I, I, I hate the idea that, like, I hate hearing, well, the quarterback's not the reason why we lost. If the quarterback isn't the reason why you won, he's probably the reason why you lost. Like, at some level, and, and that might be oversimplifying it, but guess what? You pay the guy $51 million to, like, solve a lot of problems, and it's not fair. The expectations aren't really fair, but that's the deal. That's that's the gig. Like, that's what you sign up for. That's what the money is for, as Stats likes to say. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think he could have been better. He was hurt by certain things. I think that there's a lot of criticism. I don't think this. I know this of Brian Johnson, the Eagles offensive coordinator. I've said all year he's getting way too much criticism, not to say he's been perfect and not that he's above criticism, but this is Nick Sirianni's offense. Like, I don't think Sirianni is getting enough heat um, when it comes to that element of uh every of the offense and there's like people like there's there's polls out there like oh should nick sirianni take over play calling why like you really loved what you saw out of his play calling early in the eagles 2021 season no it's just people want to change for the sake of change they want brian johnson fired the eagles offense they did not score a touchdown that's a big issue that being said I don't think it was like they were hopeless. They were lifeless. They had 6.2 yards per play. That's 
better than the Cowboys, who are at 5.3. Now, again, you didn't score. That's a huge issue. Why didn't they score? Is it Brian Johnson's fault that A.J. Brown fumbled and Devontae Smith fumbled and Jalen Hurts fumbled? I don't think it is. I think the players who typically don't fumble a lot, A.J. Brown, that's I think that's his first fumble this season. Devontae Smith has fumbled two other times in his 47-game career. Jalen Hurts, that's been more of a running theme, which is a problem. Um, so I think the offense, there's hope for the offense. They're not obviously clicking right now. I think they can get better. Unfortunately, for the defensive side of the ball, which I think did adjust in the second half and made adjustments, and that's nice to see, but they're just kind of flawed at some level. And I think when I talk about the team being tired, that's where it really manifests the most because the pass rush just, it's not effective right now. They've played a billion snaps. Again, that's not not their fault because they can't get off the field on third down. But also, I think part of the reason they can't get off the field on third down is because they're tired. So that's the vicious cycle of it. So um, it's a team that is certainly playing bad football right now, but I still think they're a good team, which is silly that I have to justify that and qualify that for a team that is 10-3 and and literally above where I had them at this point in the season. I look back at my win-loss prediction. I had them at 9-4. and They're 10-3. and So what should I – I'm supposed to say they suck and everyone should be fired and the season's over? How? Why am I supposed to say that? I don't. They think can still that, win the one seed. Um, they can still get the. So like, it's not. It's not even like a small chance. It's like a thirty percent chance. I think you're oversimplifying that point a little, uh, because I don't think I don't think anyone who's being rational is saying they suck. And oh. while it's fair to well, well yes, okay, while are. it's fair to say that they they've overdelivered on your pre, you know preseason win loss prediction to this point in the season. Um, I think it's the way that they have arrived at 10 and three. Now you've written this a lot and talked about this a lot. Like they started the gauntlet, obviously very well. They beat Dallas. They had to buy, they beat Kansas city, they beat Buffalo, but those three wins, I mean, were what, you know, a handful of moments. The Cowboys one is, I think the most difficult one to move the goalposts on, um, you know, to, to give them a loss. They were a Marquez Valdez scaling drop from arguably losing in Kansas city. And they were, what was the Jake Elliott field goal time uh, distance? Game. That wasn't. Like I know, the but game I mean, winner. again, if 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 we're oversimplifying, just to kind of generalize and make a point, how long was the Jake Elliott field goal in the monsoon or whatever? It was like, like fifty nine. But that's I mean, Brandon yeah. Aubrey just hit. So like, I mean, two fifty. The point is like, field goals. It's taken these like Herculean efforts to win those games, sure. and then the two the two but competitors. Those are, good teams. are the Chiefs and Bills good right now? Like I know historically are they are like a, a recent history, team. but like. If you want to, I mean, if everyone I, wants to hold I, point I, I, differential and DVOA against the Eagles, then you have to give it to the Bills, who the Eagles beat. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. All I'm saying is it's it's not as mighty of like what recent history would indicate. Like, oh, well, you said you're back Chiefs in on the Bills, Bills but, anyway. Uh, that's, that's a little bit of a different point, but you're right. Uh, but so my point is like I understand people feeling like it it took all energy and might to you know win these games, however they ultimately happen, and then the first true like measuring opportunity got wax got run over got bullied got beat down and then didn't even respond well to that i mean didn't even score an offensive touchdown after that and in the process relinquished albeit temporary but relinquished control in the division and relinquished outright control control. relinquished i mean again temporary in in a literal sense temporarily it's not control though they literally did not relinquish control relinquished temporary standings in the NFC East and opened the door for a control to be taken. Now the Eagles don't have any room for air in the NFC East until if the Cowboys lose, obviously. Um, And they did relinquish outright control for the one seed, which is apparently incredibly valuable for this team that is super tired and sore. I agree. So, I mean, if, if you're not gritty and tough enough to survive all of that, like that would raise fair question marks, Yeah, uh, which, 
So, I mean, I get panic and concern. Um, again, I don't think it's fair to say they suck. I had them um, third in my power rankings this week. I don't know where you had them. Right. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think now forward. is the time to crush them. If they lose to the Seahawks, if they drop these games, that is the time. That is absolutely the time. I'm saying it now, and I will feel that way. I just don't feel like now is – I think people are – there's a term that we used in BGN Radio, the original version back in the day, called preaking out, like pre-freaking out. I think people are preaking out a little bit. I think they're preemptively doing the freak out thing. And I'm not saying they can't be criticized, but I think panic level is a little too high relative to what it should be. And I think people are kind of being a little bit spoiled, honestly, and taking it for granted and also not contextualizing just how hard it is to actually get back to even have a good season after you lose the Super Bowl. It's a very hard thing to do. It doesn't mean, again, you can't criticize things. It doesn't mean you have to be all happy, but there's just no perspective. And that's fandom. You know, you lose, the season's over. feels like the world's ending. Um, but I'm not there. And if people want to be there, that's fine. It's their choice. But I'm not going to be there, and I'm not going to feel bad about being there. Um, I think it's fair to have different levels of panic or frustration or disappointment. I think you would agree with this with different sectors of the team, right? Like you can, you could be more mad or more concerned about like this, that, or the other, while obviously having more confidence in this, that, or the other. Um, I'm going to bring up this question in a way that you have brought it up before. What does Nick Sirianni do right now? That's helping the team. Because when Mike McCarthy wasn't the offensive play caller, it was, what does he do? And so, like, in a game that was all about responding and being ready to roll, he's not calling offensive plays. And you mentioned, obviously, some people want to see him get involved there. He's not doing that. Like, what does he do? He, he didn't even have the team ready enough to score an offensive touchdown. He showed them who was it talking trash ahead of the Niners game. That blew up in his face and obviously didn't have them prepped to face the Cowboys. And he has been enough of a, we'll call it, character to you know, make it a lot of fun for Eagles fans whenever he's winning. And now my sense is, you can tell me if I'm wrong, obviously based on your pulse of the fan base, it feels like if anyone is like the face of the you know fan base's frustration, it's Nick Sirianni. So what well, does he the do? Coach always like, is because it's what the easiest like, what, person what, to root against. What is, what is he offering to make the team better right it's now? A fair question. I don't see I'm it. not going to defend him uh, in that regard in terms of he's not being aggressive enough. I think there's an opportunity to try to at least set up and go for a Hail Mary at the end of the first half there. Didn't do that. That's been consistent in terms of him not being aggressive. I thought he should have went for two when Eagles did get that touchdown there by um, Jalen Carter. Didn't do that. Um, again, it's not like it matters in the end, but still, it's just like try to get a spark, manufacture an edge somewhere. And he did go for it on that fourth and eight, which I actually did like. Some people didn't like that late in the game or fourth and six, whatever it was with the Devontae um, short of the sticks thing you mentioned there. Obviously, didn't work but you out. Didn't but didn't even I, drop a, a a play for Jalen to throw beyond the sticks, or well, Jalen is, sure. is is playing poor enough that he's not even doing that. Right, and I yes, but the decision to go for it was correct. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I agree. He's not giving this team an edge right now. He's been out coached. That's the reality of it. He's been out coached by Kyle Shanahan, Mike McCarthy in back to back weeks. That's a big issue. So, um, I'm not singing his praises right now. I do typically guard against over criticizing of the coaching staff because again people don't care about coaches they care about players and it's much easier for players to accept that the the coach is bad uh and then it is their favorite player whose jersey they have is bad right. so i just get annoyed with that being always the thing um oh it's always the coach and then because like you know 
it goes back to Doug and people wanting to run Doug out of town. Doug was the problem. He was the only problem. He got rid of him. Everything was fixed. Oh, now the next coach sucks too. And then the next coach is going to suck after that. And then the next coach after that's going to suck. So it's just, it's just tired. I'm so tired of the coaching thing. I just think it matters way less than the amount of energy and time is spent on it. But all that said, I do think Nick Sirianni is not doing a good job right now. Um, the word fraud being thrown out a lot this week. And you mentioned it in your uh, pre-prepared statement. And I did see that you did publish that, obviously, uh, before the game. So Brandon can at least stand on that. Um, I I know that that's a heavy word, but I think it's literally accurate, um, in at least the way you define it. You said that the Eagles were not as good as a 10-1 and record would have indicated. Yes. So the record was fraudulent. But I think also that was going a little too far in terms of like people acting like they were like a five win team instead of a 10 win team. I think you're looking, you know, more like eight win team, like a couple wins worse. It's not like you lose all of your one score games or whatever. And also that's not even been the issue. People were like, well, the Eagles were playing with fire and now they're getting burned. That's not even been the issue the past two weeks. It's not like they're losing one score games. They're getting blown out. That's a different story. Um, I'm looking for one last tweet here. So give me a second. Buy me some time. I know that you're in the mood to do that. I was looking up. I meant to look up the context. I had the article here and then I lost it. I'm, I'm ready if, if you are. Okay. You got yeah. it. Um, your buddy, Sheil Kapadia. Yes. I always mess this up. Um, tweeted this out on Sunday night. I'm sure you saw, and I'm sure every Eagles fan saw and hated it. Since 2000, there have been 106 teams with 10 or more wins through week 14 of the NFL mm-hmm. season. Among that group, the 2023 Eagles rank 103rd with a point differential of plus 21. 103rd out of 106. Now, getting blown out, what, 42 to 19, 33 to 13 in back-to-back weeks, you know, really pushes the point differential, obviously. Also, not uh, playing, like, two of the, in theory at least, and we'll get to this, the, the two of their lesser opponents still in terms of the Cardinals, who are bad, and the Giants, who... We'll see. Uh, I mean, don't tempt the Tommy DeVito Giants. We'll get there. Also, Paul Hembo tweeted this out on Monday morning. Um, teams with 15-point wins this season. Well, I don't have to read a whole list, but the Cowboys have eight wins, uh, 15 points or more. The Niners have seven. The Eagles do not have a single one. Eagles so also they have not best record in the NFL against winning teams this year. I mean, that's fine. But again, it's they've pulled off these miracles, you know, seemingly. And that's where I think the, the fraudulence has kind of been born. Um, that that was never like sustainable and we talked about it like it was never something you could define like you said like it wasn't like one possession games or things like that but like you ripped the vikings last year and that's the comp that everyone's coming up with i don't like that comp they were negative they were 28th in dvoa where they go i just said that i didn't like that comp but you ripped them from a point differential standpoint you they talked sucked. about how, they negative dv our point differential okay, and they're again, like 20th in DVOA. you ripped them the eagles are plus 21 and also the Eagles, uh, the, or the Vikings did not come into they, they, the, the Vikings. What cachet have they built up? Kirk Cousins, one Again, playoff win. Not, Eagles I, just I, went I to the said, Super Bowl. I said a lot of people were quoting Shields tweet and saying like 2022 Vikings. Like, I don't like that at all. Like, I don't think that's a fair comp. I think the Vikings were better than they got credit for last year. I'm well on record with that. And but, that's the thing. Um, yeah. If you're saying but, that, then you're saying no, no, no. But like, thing. so I wouldn't put this Eagles team there. But the the wins, obviously the Bills win, the Chiefs win, the first Cowboys win to a degree, um, the Patriots win. Like, you can come up with uh, the Commanders win, the first one. Like, these were all these, like, miracle things that they pulled off that I think that they deserved credit for. And But, like, that was never going to be able to be something that you could sustain. And the wear and tear of it all, obviously from a, um, you know, just – physical toll uh, has, has shown up but like i don't think that's possible and i don't think that's possible against the juggernauts of the nfl and certainly of the nfc 
Um, Eagles are ten and three. What do you think they go in their final four here? You want to predict well, their record? Obviously, the the greatest chance of loss is next week. Um, and they, you know, for for all the people who think the NFL hates them, they got a big old extra day of rest because the NFL flexed their game to Monday night. Um, I mean, Seattle was cute against San Francisco, uh, and certainly was stout against Dallas. Is it impossible? I don't. What's the line? I haven't looked. Um, uh, it's minus three and a, Eagles minus three and a half on the road. Um, I mean, obviously, I want the Seahawks to win. Gino was great the last time we saw him. I know you were really upset with the way that that game ended, but um, that's not impossible. Um, I think that the games become more impossible as as it goes on, right? Like, I, I think the Seahawks is the the least impossible one. I think the first Giants one, if they're still rolling by then, which what and define rolling however you want. You think it gets is, easier? You're saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, un- unless Kyler has like a stupid game, like it, like you could you could find the weird like that's the way they lose quality of each one of these, and it really just comes down to like Seattle going off, and then just for Giants sake of conversation, like what do you think they go? Just as a, I'll say three and one is really conservative. Okay, I mean it's say... re- it's really easy to say they're four and zero. Okay, let's say they're so just make your statement. You say they're three and one. I'll say three and one just because. Okay, it's the so they would be the first team to lose a Super Bowl and win at least thirteen games since the nineteen ninety nine Titans. Like that's really impressive. That's a, like the standard. I just think people have a very unrealistic standard for this team. But they define that standard. Like you can't you can't like whine about the standard after it was like, oh, they're this perfect team. Give them their flowers. They were one of the best. Yeah, teams but they ever were always going to be worse. Like, that you was, said that. That was everyone the self defined standard. You I everyone mean, but, said they were going to be worse, but then they're worse, and no one likes that they're worse. It's like. That was always the, that was gonna be that was the deal. Well, welcome to reality. It. Like, well, that's the pain of losing a Super Bowl is if you don't get it done, like you, you might never do it. I mean, like that's what that's, I, that's what I always said. I, I said like I think too many people are just oh we'll be back next year. No, it doesn't work like that. It's not that simple. Um, I mean, the only thing that I feel like I was really wrong about was AJ Brown. I just continue to be wrong about AJ Brown. But like, I mean, we talked about it. like it was impossible that Jalen Hurts would ever have a season close to last season. You know what I mean? Like it was so like on one end of the spectrum that him reg- he's I don't even know that he's regressed the mean. He might be a little bit further past the mean, which is maybe a positive sign for the future. But um, but yeah, and Nick Sirianni too. And if the NFL outlaws the tush push, I mean, who knows? But um, it's but not yeah. going to change anything. I mean, I don't know. Like that's think, a different. I think it was Baldy. Baldy had a good stat that, like, pre tush push, the Eagles were basically just virtually as unstoppable on their sneaks. So, well, when Jason Kelsey retires, it's going to be over anyway. Well, so. That's fair. That's a fair point to wonder, but I mean, we'll see. Um, okay, are we ready to move on after we take a break? We're ready to take a break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. That was a wonderful break. Brandon, during oh. the break, you um, made a house of cards. What did it look like? Oh, I can't do that. I wish I could. I'm not really technically skilled like that. Um, I'm skilled at many things, believe it or you not. You know who I want to give a shout out to? Um, this is not an ad. I want to give a shout out to Lego. Um, so um, over the summer, uh, remember when I went to California? Uh, yes. We, we went to Legoland. We took my son and it was really cool. And we bought uh, a Christmas tree. And like the goal was like, oh, we'll build it every Christmas and we'll put it in his room. And it's this really cool set because you could either build one big tree or you can build two smaller ones. And so I was going to build the two small ones and put one in his room and one in his bathroom. And I was, you know, finishing it because this was kind of complicated. And I was missing some pieces. And I was like, well, what happened here? And I went to Lego's website and kind of filled it out and just put in the um, the number for like the set. And I was like, hey, I'm missing these pieces. And they're like, oh, we'll replenish them. No, like no questions asked. Like what great customer service. That's awesome. That's a nice positive shout out by you. What's the most, like your most favorite Lego creation ever? Um, I built a car that I have in my office um, wow. when I was a kid. Um, it's like a big, like kind of. Like, you should get it. I don't want to. It's it's up tall. Next, um, next. Uh, no, I next can get episode. it. One second. Okay. RJ is going to get the car from the top of his shelf which he said it was tall so maybe he can't reach it he has to get a stool or something he's coming back he's putting his headphones on here keep in mind i built this when i was like 10 and it was the coolest thing in the world at the time and it was kind of like what i imagined like a van that like superheroes would ride around in it's pretty cool yeah i mean it's really just kind of tall that's really all it is can you see the front we didn't see like the front end of it sorry the other oh i oh and i thought that was the um i thought yeah there's like a there's like a cockpit there's a cock, like a main cockpit, which is uh, personless right now, and then That's I've cool. got the person on the side that can like handle whatever duties need to happen. Does then I got actually, the person up top. Do the wheels work? Like, will it actually roll at all? Yeah. Okay, it's hard to see, but um, yeah, uh, cool. So, if you're not watching the NFC East mixtape on the Bleeding Green Nation or the Walk on the Boys YouTube channel, you're missing out. Um, okay, the New York Giants have a thing now. That thing is Tommy DeVito. <laughs> um, Tommy DeVito. Uh, it's a little yeah, much. I, the how much everyone likes it. Well, but you're I, from I think you're from the area, so you'll probably appreciate it. Giants than I fans, do. I think, soak it up. Like I don't begrudge them at all for, but like I think the national everyone loves his agent, and it's like I get it. Okay, I get, I understand. It's cool. Like or it's funny. I get it. It's you know what I'm cool. really sick of. Fine. I'm sick of people equating <laughs> things like this to Jeremy Lin. Okay, like I know that that happened and that was a thing, but like. We have other things like you don't have like not everything is Lin sanity. You know well, what I mean? Also, like Jimmy Lin was like 
amazing. He was I know, really but, like Tommy DeVito but, hasn't been amazing. He's been you know solid. what I'm saying though. Like anytime like like a, a moment happens, people are like, oh, this is a Jeremy Lin. Like, no, not not everything is that. Uh, but anyway, this was a really great kind of thing overall in a lot of ways. One, um, it's fine to if you're a Cowboys or an Eagles or a Commanders fan, I guess, maybe not Commanders, but to objectively enjoy this you know, fun thing because the giants are out of contention from a practical sense. So you don't have to really worry about them. They, I mean, well, they're in the, or they're in the hunt. Um, so whatever, but they're not one of the super bowl is the point. Um, Mm -hmm. they, um, are hindering and hurting their draft stock. They have what the ninth overall pick, uh, in the draft now, like they're going to go through, we've been talking about this, another Mm -hmm. season of gunk and not even have a top five quarterback in the future now. Uh, well, that's the other thing. Like, I mean, maybe they wind up with Jaden Daniels or something, but like, I mean, the Tommy DeVito thing will be super annoying at training camp, right? Like for Daniel Jones to deal with at the very least, like the first sign of Daniel Jones struggle. It, it's the Mike White phenomenon. That's if you're looking no, for a comp, Brock that's Purdy a phenomenon or the like, Brock, oh, Purdy phenomenon. Brock Purdy. Exactly. So um, it's funny in that sense. If you're not a Giants fan, it's also like just a cool story. And um, if you're a Cowboys fan, dude can kind of play. And they have two games left against the Eagles. I mean, like it would be the funniest thing ever if he took down the Eagles at least once. He's definitely like you know settled in. I don't think. I think if you know the version of Tommy DeVito now plays the Cowboys when they did. Like, I think the game's a little. I mean, that game was just not even a game at all. I think he's that clear. That was just, what was his first NFL start. Correct. Yeah. So like, I think he's kind of settled in a bit. I still think the Giants lose, to be clear. But I'm just saying, I think he would have made it a little bit more competitive at least some point in the game. Um, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been, again, like, lights out, amazing. No one can stop him. He passed for 158 yards last night. Like, I think he I think he had the highest QBR in Week 14 of all okay. quarterbacks. I don't know if you saw. I'm he just saying, sure. like, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, it isn't it isn't just like he had two plays or something. Like, there, there are, you know, there's legit meat on that bone, so to speak. I think, yeah, we're seeing enough here to see he's a he's a credible NFL player. Again, I think he has the potential to be a very nice backup. I still think, you know, starting, let's let's chill on that. He did also, by the way, have ten runs for seventy-one yards, and he look he looks like he looks fast. He looks like a good runner. Um, so yeah, just kind of like a fun player. Uh, I thought Wondell Robinson looked really awesome in this game. I feel like he's oh, a guy yeah. who I'll just. Like I'm just like kind of watching a Giants highlight or just watching a game, kind of not even fully paying attention. He pops to me a lot. I almost like regret not making him my most underrated player. Um, although I think Hodgins has been okay. Hodgins had a touchdown. This one probably not great, but yeah. I mean, the Giants are fighting, and uh, they play the Saints next. Having a win over the Packers is extremely meaningful. Obviously, as it relates to the tiebreaker, if they can beat the Saints who could also be in that wild card contention there. Um, I, again, they're still on the out. They're likely looking on the outside looking in, but they're not dead. They're not dead yet. Again, I don't like you. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl, So I don't know what it means. Even if you do make the seven seed, probably at very best other than I guess, like you feel good about Dable going into year three, yeah. but okay, that's fine. And I, to be fair, I want to give him credit because you and I were ripping him and saying, I don't care if you have Tommy DeVito. I'm like, you still have to make more out of what you have. You can't tell me you were making the most out of what you, and this, this speaks to the art. We were right about that. And now he is doing that. Let's, so let's give Dable credit for that. He certainly is having them play. He is maximized more now. Um, But yeah, I don't know what it means for next year still. (laughs) Yeah. I thought um, the, um, I don't know if it was a report or whatever that came out about how Robert Sala 
again, I, I might be like making this up. Like it was all over NFL Twitter. You can corroborate if you want. But how Robert Sala reportedly um, texted Woody Johnson, like, like, you know, prominent head coaches records without their starting quarterback or whatever it was. And it was like, dude, like that is so lame. Uh, again, I think it was a Jay Glazer report. I'm not totally certain. So, uh, but like, it like that was such a lame move to me, and that I I told you that that was why I was so impressed with Mike McCarthy during that first you know season when Dak Prescott got hurt because that was something that Jason Garrett never did, and so I do think that that is a really like you know a, a really interesting social experiment or experiment of a head coach like hey what kind of lemonade can you make when you're in this tough situation mm -hmm. and kudos to brian dable like for real it's been a tough season for him and if anything this just proves that daniel jones ain't it like if there were any daniel jones stanzas left um you know like that that dable can make music so to speak with tommy devito to a small degree albeit but i mean that is a really impressive thing so you're right like you you do have this boost of confidence in him you don't have to worry about that and all the bill belichick stuff you have a folk hero who at the very least is going to be doing sports talk radio in the region for the next 30 years i mean like you know um and you're you get to have fun like i mean i yeah. i said this in the in our post game show because obviously you know the vibes are great with cowboys fans like when your football team is doing fun stuff around christmas like there's nothing like it like it is the most fun thing in the world and so you know this giant season has been so awful so yeah like totally soak it up get yourself a tommy devito jersey like I completely and totally agree. And he's helping you realize that players, not that we didn't know that Wanda Robinson had talent, but he's helping you identify other aspects and elements of your team. And that's a really, you know, cool thing. And and you got to win in prime time. Like you're mm -hmm. not a joke anymore um, it, against a, a playoff contending team. You're one game yeah. back. Like everybody was talking all this stuff, fairly so, about the Packers entering Monday night. And now the Giants are one game back of them. Um, they will play a critical role to a small degree in uh, the NFC East race and playoff picture, I guess, uh, because they play the Saints. If they beat the Saints, then I think they cement effectively that it's Tampa or Atlanta who's going to host Dallas or Philadelphia yeah. in the wild card round. Um, and obviously they play the Eagles twice and can potentially impact things in that sense as well. MetLife seemed pretty loud too, even though there were a lot of Packers fans. It was also loud when the Packers were scoring, to be fair. Um, but still, I thought that like that's the loudest I feel like I've heard MetLife in a long time. They seem pretty juiced up for the tommy devito experience as they should be it's fun again i'm not trying to rob any joy away from even if it even if like it doesn't mean positive long-term success in terms of ruining your draft order and everything and i still believe that's ultimately the most important or important i think there is something to be said for having short-term fun like it's not irrelevant it does feel nice in the short like that that's a nice thing to, to actually feel for once especially when your team has been terrible in this whole season like we said it's been terrible from the the, the jump from the gut punch of losing 40 to zero and never really having like a feel good moment at any point. Uh, they have that now and Saquon's rolling here a bit. So it just feels like the giants are a, not like, you know, a threat all of a sudden again, in terms of contention, but they're, they're like a real team right now. And that's a, a graduation from what they were for a lot of this year. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, like, I know we're not rooting for Saquon, but again, because of how far out of contention they are, it is kind of cool to see him like thrive in a big moment. You know what I mean? And play like a, I know he had the fumble, which was a bad look, but like, you know, it was just kind of cool. Like this is, this is what Saquon Barkley was supposed to be. And if these are his final games with the New York giants, like if they can have some fun in the process, like by all means, tear it up. So, and beat the Eagles twice. That would be cool. Actually, uh, my last question, are you more scared of the Tommy DeVito giants than you ever were the Daniel Jones giants? Yeah, sure. 
I don't blame you. I mean, like, it's that's fair. Like, he they have a pulse with him as opposed to yeah. with Daniel Jones. And yeah, I just think you can count on Jones turning the ball over or something going wrong with him where DeVito has just been a little bit more efficient and there's some moxie there. It's like a Taylor Heineke kind of energy. It's not that mm. he's the, you know, most intimidating quarterback ever. But the thing I always said about Heineke was that you go into a game with him typically thinking like you at least have a puncher's chance. Like you're not the favorite, but you think like, okay, there's a scenario where and he's going to make it challenging. Even he didn't always do that in every game, but there were a lot of games where he did, even when they would lose, like everyone brings up the Buccaneers playoff game. Uh, you know, that they, they, like they, the commanders kind of gave the bucks more of a thought, a fight than people thought uh, they would. Um, he kind of just makes you uneasy. And I think DeVito might be that Taylor Heineke kind of player. He beat the Eagles. Then he got the Jordans to prove it. Yep. <laughs> and you, um, okay. You loved uh, the the um, commanders were on by. Um, so they are now squarely in last place. Um, at four and nine because the Giants are five and eight. Obviously, uh, think about it: the Giants and Commanders combined do not even have as many wins as either the Cowboys or Eagles do individually. So that's just kind of the state of the NFC East. But um, time to loosely preview Week 15. I'm, well, on the Commanders, I think they are going to lose out. I think they're just going to lose out. Other than maybe the Cowboys game, depending if you know they rest their starters. But I think any other meaningful game, they're going to lose out. Um. I agree with you. I mean, we're about to get to their game, but um, I just want to say, like, it's always sad when you get to the end of the bye weeks because it's like, man, this, this it just started. You know what I mean? And now, like, now we're here. No more bye weeks. You know what I mean? Like, and now it's the know, season does really go by fast. I have to say, um, the Washington Commanders are on the road this week to face the L.A. Rams, who you and I might owe another apology to. Uh, mm-hmm. At least their head coach uh, in Sean McVay, because they are. They're rallying. They're playing some impressive football right now. They are seven-point favorites. The Rams are at home, the mighty SoFi Stadium, against the Washington Commanders. I don't know if you know this, Brandon. Sean McVay was once on the Washington staff with Kyle mm. Shanahan and Mike McVay. Could be like maybe maybe the Rams don't cover because for as much fight as they have, there's you know there's still some flaws there. There's a lack of talent, and they're also coming off this very emotional overtime game. So maybe training kinda, game. You have a little bit of a letdown here again, and the you know the. Commanders are well-rested coming off of their bye. But I think, again, the Commanders are going to lose out. I think they're organizationally tanking. So I'll actually say it's more of a competitive game than the spread indicates. I say the Commanders cover, but they lose. I think the Rams cover. I think, you know, the haze in the barn for the Commanders as far as their overall objective is concerned. Um, Plus, I do believe in the Rams. Uh, Matthew Stafford is, like, balling out um, at this point in time. Like, I mean... We had the conversation, like, is Derek Carr the third best quarterback in the NFC? At the I'm changing my season? pick. You're right. And, I forgot about how bad yeah, their secondary is. And and I, I went to bat for Kirk Cousins. I think if if all of them were healthy, Stafford is, like, fourth at worst. Like, Sta- Stafford, I was really wrong on him. Like, I really thought, like, this was over. Like, he is playing incredibly right well, now. Well, it was hard to parse the injury there. Like, sure. what to make of that? But, like, Cooper Cup's kind of back now. Obviously, Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I don't I do not want to be the two seed that faces the Rams. I mean, like, I'd rather, to be clear, I'd rather be the two seed, you know, than the five seed in just a general sense. But, like, obviously, I'd rather be the five seed playing the the Bucks than the two seed playing the Rams. Like, the mm-hmm. Rams could be the first seven seed in NFL history to win a playoff game. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I did write that in my power ranking. So, um, I did want to sneak this in here. I saw, I know you're not a big fantasy guy. Did you know that Sam Howell has more fantasy points this season than Patrick Mahomes? I'm not surprised just because. That's just crazy, though. But they've had so many passing attempts because of game script and whatnot. Like, yeah, I'm not surprised. 
Well, they this also game, played the Eagles twice. <laughs> this game is one of three that are taking place in the afternoon window on Sunday. Um, one of the other two is the Niners at Arizona. Mm-hmm. Goes without saying, we're all you know all mixologists are rooting for the Cardinals. Um, you know, big time. Um, but the third game, uh, which will be like the one that you know gets the entire the whole country gets, is the Cowboys visiting the Buffalo Bills. Um, now this opened. Uh, with Dallas as one and a half point underdogs mm-hmm. on the road, that has moved to two and a half. I hadn't even seen this, so Ooh, a whole point. That's not um, good. Yeah, a whole point. Uh, the Why? weather, I don't know, but the weather that's a, that's does not a, that's look. That's like a major line movement. I know the weather does not appear to be um, dire. At least at this, it's we're recording on Tuesday. Obviously, you know when you're playing in Orchard Park, like a lot of people assume it's going to be bad. It looks like just moderately cool. Uh, there's potential for wind, but it doesn't look like a you know crazy cold windy day. Is all I'm saying. Um, Buffalo coming off of a close win against Kansas City um, that the Chiefs were not a fan of, um, but um, an impressive performance nonetheless. And obviously. The Bills, we talked about this, are the Bizarro Eagles in that, you know, like the Eagles were, I think, definitively not as good as their 10-1 and record would indicate. Mm-hmm. The Bills are probably definitely not as bad as a 7-6 and six record would indicate. They've had these really close losses where they've just kind of thrown it away in the worst possible way. Um, and so I'm nervous. This is of the four remaining games for the Cowboys. This is, this is the one I'm most fearful of. And a lot of that is because Josh Allen has the potential to obviously take over at any given time. Yeah, I mean... Uh, we were messaging about this on Slack during the Bills Chiefs game. Bills did not deserve to win that game with the way Sean McDermott coached it. Oh, end. dude, what a horrible! Like, so I told you, I'm kind of back in on Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Like, I'd walked out a little bit. I'm kind of back in. I'm never coming back on Sean McDermott. Like, and I, I've been a fan of his, and I even said it was a lot of of what he learned in Philly under Jim Johnson and how they terrorized Tony Romo. But like. Dude, what horrible game management to, to not drain more time and, and to uh, uh, on on the plus side of the two minute warning, like against Patrick Mahomes. How did you word it? Um, you had a great wording. I don't know if you want to look for it um, in terms of like the team that did this against you yeah, in terms yeah, of you against, left like, too much time against the, them, like the specific yeah. team <laughs> in the specific place where you committed. And that wasn't uh, even an error. That was just like the way it, well, broke it, it was when, an error that scored. he didn't go for two. I've said that like people. Okay, will but all I'm saying that, is like leaving yeah. 13 seconds was not an error. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's that's my yes. only point. But they like, managed this the clock was... well. They did not right. manage the points well. They should have they should have known that Mahomes might be able to do that and like end any kind of possibility that they could tie it and just go for the win there by going for two in that game but in this game uh it was also before the end of the first uh or sorry the end of the third quarter there bills took over after right. uh i think it was the home or the uh, rasheed rice fumble maybe and um 30 seconds left in the third quarter it's like just run the ball get to the fourth quarter boom and they they ran three passing plays and they they punted to begin the fourth quarter at 15 it's like that might not seem like a big deal, but like you took, I mean, took 30 seconds off the clock when you're the lead. It's a big, like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal against teams that can score, right? Like it's not a big yeah. deal if you're playing the like Patriots, but like if, if you're playing the chiefs and in this case, the and Cowboys, you, and they like, had the lead at that point in the game. It's like, yeah. you have the lead. I, I know you're not like, you know, in end of game mode, cause there's so much clock left, but like, just you're, you're going to get to the end of the game and you want as little time as available. If you have the lead, like it's insane. They did. So, okay, whatever. They messed that situation up. Fine. Maybe again, you messed it up in the past. You messed it up there. It's like maybe you finally learned at the end of the game. No, first down, whatever it was in that situation near the two-minute warning, and they're like they're past. Just run, run. You all you literally need to do is run the ball one time, and um, either get down to the two-minute warning or force the Chiefs to burn their timeout. Sorry, I'm spending a long time on this, but like this is why like 
I think I'm going to take the Bills because of Josh Allen. I agree. But man, the McDermott thing is is messing with me. I think he, I just, I don't trust that. So um, I'll take the Bills here. I think the Cowboys have been playing well, but I do think, you know, Buffalo is surging here. It's at home um, for them. I'll, 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 and it's also, you know, it's not the biggest spread to cover. So I'll take them. I was looking at the Bills subreddit and they were talking about this, like how nervous are we, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And their fan base's mentality is similar to Philly's last week in the sense of like, they were like, this is not a must win game, but like you really need it, you know, yeah, now because of at a conference. <clears throat> right. Um, now you could certainly argue that Philly was in a much more comfortable position from like a playoff. Yeah, that's also not true for them. Cause the AFC I mean, is very tight. <laughs> I agree with you, but I think that they might be feeling like because Miami lost and they still get to play the Dolphins. Yeah, but you, you right? want like, the division now. It's like I agree, fun. I, I agree with you. I'm just telling you what I read. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah, I get um, it. I'm not arguing with you. I'm arguing with their premise. They I should saw, be more, um, more motivated to win. I saw David Hellman of Fox Sports, formerly of DallasCompass.com, friend of Blog and the Boys. He tweeted out um, that going like shot for shot with Josh Allen in Orchard Park would and again, a presuming a Cowboys win would like maybe be the best win of the Dak Prescott era, right? Like, especially given the like arc to this point, you know, in the season for the Cowboys, um, this, this would be really big, obviously it goes without saying. And especially, you know, after Dallas just beat Philly the way that they did, if they went and handled the bills after Philly kind of struggled to beat them again, it would, it would reinforce all these ideas. I'm going to take Dallas because at this point, you know, I, I trust them enough, but like I said, this is the game that I'm most fearful of. Uh, I will be talking to our friend Jay Spence from Buffalo from Buffalo Rumblings. Um, that interview will drop on Thursday throughout the Blog and the Boys universe. Um, very curious to kind of see how he feels about this team. He has been so down on the Bills as of late. I don't know if you've seen his tweets, but he's been um, he's been pushed to, to say the least. Well, the um, vibes have been bad. Let's be real. And that's I'm I, I'm going to bring this up to him uh, so people will hear it then. But do you remember the last Cowboys-Bills game? You might. That's why I asked. I don't know if you will. It was in Thanksgiving. It was. uh, Thanksgiving 2019. um, And they got destroyed. The Cowboys did. And I was in the the tunnel as players coming out of the locker room. And Michael Bennett, um, who the Cowboys had traded for that season, uh, came in and was just like, I mean – tearing a new one in the whole team about like how unacceptable this was and blah, blah, blah. And that was really the, I think break point of the Jason Garrett era. Not that it was like a stout era or anything like that, but that was when the the wheels fell off. Um, And then a week later, Dallas went to Chicago and got destroyed by Mitchell Trubisky. Mm. He ran for like a million yards on them. And again, like it was very, very clear and obvious that things were, you know, going South. Um, And I feel like I tweeted this out on Monday, like the franchise is in a 180 degree different direction than they were that game you know what i mean like like they are so you know in in lockstep in unison the head coach is so great and and as a play caller and the quarterback situation like everything is again just the vibes are totally different you know polar opposite direction so i'll take dallas because i right now the bills just feel like they it just requires josh allen being a superhero and i just don't know that that can happen week after week i also worry about just you know I always say his volatility cuts both ways. And I don't think people always talk about it in that specific way as always a good thing. They're like, oh, he's volatile. And that like that's bad. It is bad sometimes. And I worry about that in this matchup against an opportunistic Cowboys defense that can take advantage of mistakes. But it also is possible he goes supernova and runs around and the Cowboys just don't have any answers. I thought the Eagles, when they played the Bills, like defended him fairly well a lot of the time. And it didn't look like that because of all the production. But I think there was just like, I think they played well. 
and then he just made plays that they couldn't even defend. Like he just was making mm. awesome plays. So, and, um, I and that's gonna that, happen. Yeah, like you have to. That. Like you're not gonna right. shut this dude out. And so, yeah. um, mm-hmm. by the way, we glossed over the noon NFC East game, the Giants and the Superdome that you mentioned. Um, the the Giants are six point dogs on the road. Give me the Giants, baby. They're winning. And this, what are you? What do you hang your hat on with the Saints? I mean, the Saints, their vibes have been bad. I, bad aesthetic in terms of the style of football that they play. Why are you taking them? Because they just beat the Panthers, who are, you know, like indisputably the worst team in the NFL, most like hopeless team uh, going into a given week of, of winning a game. Like, no, um, no, I'm not buying that just because the Saints beat the Panthers. Uh, give me the Giants, although short week for them. So that's tough on the road. But um, I like them to win. So I'm certainly taking at the very least, I think they cover, but I'll take them to win. That's exactly how I feel. Like, I'm not giving the Saints six points, you know, Why? against Why? anybody. Like, what? I mean. Who, for what? Yeah. What? Um, what have yeah. the Saints done I, recently that makes you think they can do that? I mean. Because they beat the Panthers? Okay. What else? I'm trying to think of, like, the, a good Saints win this year. Like, can you think of can you think of a moment where you were like, that was they cool. blew out the Patriots like, 34 to 0. I mean, that's in in New England. That's a good win. I know right. the Patriots have been bad, but 34 to 0 is like that's pretty dominant, but that's about it. They I beat mean, the Colts yeah, 38 had... to 27. That's like it's not that's in in, in Indy. So that's that's not terrible. I don't know, man. Um I'm out. So, yeah, we'll take the Giants, which takes us to Monday Night Football. As we said, uh, this game was flexed from Sunday. First ever flex in Monday Night Football history. Uh, so Joe and Troy are very happy. You said it was three and a half that Philly was laying? I think it opened to four and a half, but right now I'm seeing it three and a half. I'm seeing it at four um, at draft okay. right now. So I think part uh, of Philly that, favorite you know, again, we don't know exactly what's going on with the quarterback situation yet. With Gino, right? Um, right. So the point is somewhere between three and a half and four and a half. Um, I'm going to do the take the points, but the Eagles win move. Um, because, again, I thought the Seahawks kind of hung a little bit, just a teeny bit with the Niners. Um, I don't know if you saw the Niners had over 500 total yards of offense, but I think they had eight plays of 25 yards or more. I mean, so you're talking about 200 yards coming off of, you know, a handful of moments that, you know, were amazing. Like, I'm not trying to take away, but like, um, you know, and and those those things happen against the Niners. But um, I, I was really impressed with Seattle. And if Geno plays, I do think that DK Metcalf is probably playing the best he has all season. Jackson Smith and Jigba's kind of taken off. I mean, and if the Eagles offense can't show up, I mean, you know, do I expect them to score a touchdown at least? Yeah, but like this is two weeks in a row where the Eagles offense has been flat. So I... I'm willing to at least take the points in this game, but I'll take Philly to win. I don't think taking the points is unfair for a team that has not made it look easy a lot, but I do like the Eagles to beat the Seahawks here. Again, definitely want to see who the quarterback is before I like fully make a final prediction here in terms of not just the result, but how the game goes. Eagles have been outscored 75 to 32 in back-to-back weeks. Not good. However, what have the Seahawks done recently? They're one in five in their last six games. That's also not good. Do you know who that one win over is over? Uh, or Don't tell me. Against? One, one in five in their last six games. Um, the Cardinals. It's in, think about why I'm asking. Or why why would be relevant to this podcast? Uh, was it the, the original Washington football yeah. team beat the current Washington yeah. football team? And they barely did. I mean, in they overtime. barely beat them. Yeah. yeah, it took overtime. So, like, that's their one win in their last six games. And obviously, they've been competitive. Like, the they got blown out by the Ravens 
Um, Commander's game was the win in overtime. They had a lead against the Rams and blew it. They lost to them. They lost pretty like decisively to the 49ers on Thanksgiving. I don't think that game was really competitive. Uh, Cowboys game was close, of course. And then last week, I don't really think the game was ever like truly in doubt for the 49ers. But they did make it a little bit competitive there for a bit. So, um, you know, I don't know that the Eagles are just waltzing in there. They haven't won in Seattle since 2008. Do you know who the quarterback was in that game? Uh, for the, the Seahawks? Yeah. Seneca Wallace. Yeah, good job. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's been a while. Um of course, having to play Russell Wilson in Seattle was always pretty tough for the Eagles, our guy. Um, but I think they bounce back, and I think they win. And uh, Seahawks defense specifically has been struggling, as we saw with the Cowboys lighting them up. So I think the Eagles offense gets going, and they win. Seahawks rank 16th in overall DVOA after week 14. So, I mean, you're getting a true kind of average football team right now. So that's why, like, I, I understand not being panicked about the Eagles, but so, like, because I think it's fair to say, okay, we got blown out by two top-tier teams in the NFL. But if you lose, you know, a third game in a row, that that one to, like, a definitively average team, then it's like, okay, well, sound Especially the if it's Drew Locke. Right. Um, okay, are we ready to wrap it up with some songs? Let's add some songs to our NFC East mixtape playlist, which you can find on both Apple Music and Spotify. Rachel got hers in very early, um, and I'm upset about this. Um, I'm happy about the charitable aspect of it, nope. so chill you out. You booed a song um, that was designed for uh, charity. Let the record show. She, her, uh, her submission was White Christmas, the version by Jason Kelsey, Elaine Johnson, and Jordan Mailata, which I presume is available on Apple Music and Spotify. You, it's right? by the Philly Specials. Is the, the right, the but credit. I mean, I'm giving Rachelle her credit, that's how she listed it out, right? So. I'm just saying, for those who might want to look for it on their own, that's how you would find it. Um, I do think it's cool to release an album like that, like you know, that's that's something that like this group of Eagles fans will like remember forever, you know what I mean? Now, it would be a cooler good cause, you... like a great, a great, right, idea, right, great way to raise money. It's it's up there with like if you win the Super Bowl, obviously, with like the Super Bowl shuffle. Like people, you know what I mean? People remember it in that kind of way, but they lost the Super Bowl. So it is what it is. But that I is like, her submission. There was a quote like Jordan Mailata had that was going around that like someone told him at, uh, in Dallas that he should stop singing and focus on blocking more. And I uh, um I get it, but I, at the same time, it's for charity. It was also recorded last summer, I believe. Both of these albums were recorded in the 2022 summer. So I don't think it's mutually exclusive. Um, well, good for them. By the way, I'm going to pull a Mark Schofield and mention a weekly radio hit that I do. Um, I do a weekly radio hit in Australia with my buddy Jimmy Smith, and he always asks about Jordan Mailata. So, um, yeah, it's funny um, how okay. Mark does that, and like, but it's like every team. It's like, oh yeah, I do this radio hit. In yeah, like I do Buffalo this radio hit in, in Green Bay like, and yeah. Detroit. It's like. Does he hit every thirty? I mean, props to him. I'm not ripping him. I'm just saying it's very funny to me that. Um, and I get it. He's in demand. Obviously, we used to have him, you know, on as a regular on BGN Radio with the QB Sco Show and then uh, the QB Factory. Um, so, you know, we love Mark, well, but it's very he, um Our YouTube audience will remember he did our DAC Watch series before um, we got in a little bit of trouble. But uh, Mark is wow. great. Um, okay, so my submission is uh, a Spanish name. Uh, it is called Mis Deseos Slash Feliz Navidad. Obviously, everybody's heard of Feliz Navidad. Um, generally speaking, um, this is a mm -hmm. song uh, by Michael Bublé featuring Talia. 
from Michael Bublé's Christmas album. It is an underrated Christmas song in my mind. Obviously, there's a lot of Feliz Navidad kind of-ness <laughs> to it, um, but it is, um, it's a banger. So um, obviously, like Rachel, I'm continuing with the Christmas vibes. Um, good pick. <clears throat> I am. Have you heard the go... song that I picked? No. Ah. So how do you know it's a good pick? You're just lying. I like Feliz Navidad, so I'm guessing, like you said, there's elements of that. So I'm guessing it's a good pick. Like I'm, I like the. Okay. I, the tr- I trust that analysis. That's fair. Okay. Your pick. <clears throat> anyway, I'm gonna go with December. Not Christmas themed necessarily, but December by Neck Deep, which is a really good pop punk band. You don't really see a lot of pop punk anymore in the year 2023, especially like, you know, newer artists. Obviously, you have like Blink 182 mm-hmm. still releasing albums, but, um, and re- newer is relative for Neck Deep, but really good. There's also alternate versions of this song, um, one by Mark Hoppus, like the, that version, which is called December Again. And just for the record, we're using just just December by Neck Deep as the canonical addition to the playlist. But I would encourage people to check out the alternate versions. The that's the the normal version is like acoustic. Acoustic. Um, the Mark Hoppus one's a little more rocky and heavier and faster. That's cool. And then there's a Chris. Was it named Chris Caraba from um, Dashboard Confessional? Uh, and he does a, a version as well with this band Neck Deep, and that's also really good. So I would check out all three. Really good song. Um, it's kind of like a sad song, uh, but the Eels are losing, so it's sad. Um, okay. Uh, well, so again, you're tying yours. I just like my song. Uh, I guess Rachel mm-hmm. did tie her song to well, the it's Eagles, December. So. It's also thematic to the month. Right. That's fair. Uh, okay. Well, uh, we'll add those to the playlist. Everybody can check them out. And yeah. Anything else before we get out of here? Um, this is the penultimate episode of the NFC East mixtape, at least as it relates to the holiday season. So, I mean, you know, we'll talk to you all again next week before the Christmas, but also happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah's going on. So shout That's out right. to uh, all those celebrating that and all the other holidays going on. Um, yeah, looking forward to doing another episode next week. Along those lines, um, I posted a photo on Instagram about this. Um, so, like, everybody says that, like, Christmas through the eyes of a child is the, like, most precious thing of all time. Last Saturday, my wife and I took uh, our son to a parade here in town. And the way his eyes truly lit up at everything was something I will, like, never, ever forget in my life. Like, it was so powerful just to see, like, how he experienced it. And so um, this is a really fun time of year, really magical time of year. Um and that shouldn't be lost if your football team is doing well or doing poorly. It's a good time here. It's pretty, it's probably the most wholesome NFC East Big State moment ever. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, although, um, you know, there were a lot of people. Sometimes too many people like get away. You know what I mean? I don't want a lot of people. Mm. So. I support that. Um, way to, way to uh, balance it out. Yeah. <laughs> this joyous thing. And then get out of my way. Get out of here. Uh, my roommate in college, uh, one time we were like, do you want to go here? And he was like, no. And we were like, why? He said, I hate people. So he was like, there will be people there. So uh, we were just like, okay, that makes sense. I I totally feel that. And I have two, sorry, I I did have a final thought. I beat Spider-Man 2. It was really good. No spoilers. Whoa, dude. I'm only like, I would say like 11% of the way through. So great. I couldn't stop playing it. Like it was just really good. Um, It's awesome. The, who you get to play as is very cool. And some of the powers, I will say are very cool. And, um i also i got started on my assassin's creed um picking that back up from where i left off 
playing a uh, black flag. So that's also pretty fun. So did you, um, did you pick up any new games upon mine or anybody else's recommendations? I did not yet because I have these to go through, but I added them, you know, I have them in a list that uh, are in my consideration. Um, I would add to take things full circle here. Um, this month's free games, if you have like a PS membership, um, which you have to have to play yes. online, obviously. Um, I don't know what the third one is, but um, the second one, or I guess uh, there are three, and I don't know what one of them is off the top of my head. But one of them is the Power Wash Simulator mm. game, um, which is what it sounds like. Um, I've never played these. Go there. I've never played these kinds of games, but one of my best friends, um, there's like a lawnmower game, and he loves this game. Uh, and there's like a truck driving game, and he loves that one. And I've heard this Power Wash game is a great podcasting game. Like it's a really satisfying thing to do, like while you're listening to podcasts. You know what I mean? So mm. um, it's free. So add that to your library. Maybe check it out. And also the full circle thing, um, Lego 2K Drive is wow. one of the free games this month. So you know, shout out to Lego. Not a sponsor, but we're always open for opportunities. Do but what you, a Lego um... NFC East mixtape look like? Hmm? But what a Lego NFC East mixtape look like? What do you like mean? Us made out of Lego. Like imagine if somebody like digitized our our episodes mm-hmm. but we were legos i feel like can't like uh dolly do that or something one of these ai programs like if we just mm. enter a screenshot i don't know probably not remember the simpsons filter thing remember when that was big and people would like yeah. simpsonize themselves that was like you know way before any kind of ai thing that was fun are you ready to leave yeah as we leave say any two words any two words <laughs> <laughs>